Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. That's good. Well, let me just say a quick prayer. Father, we give you this day. It's yours. Use this time in your word to be a blessing and to be a challenge and to bring truth and love in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Well, it's good to be with you. Um, Today, we are in part four of our series called Make God First. Everyone say, Make God First. The last few weeks, we've talked about a really a, a number of really important topics. Uh, I'll just do a quick review. Week one, the message was called First I Gotta. Look at your neighbor and say, First I Gotta. If you remember, we, we talked about the powerful story out of Haggai 1 in which the people were busy doing their own thing. They were busy building their own houses and ignoring the house of the Lord. And it's, this is what we do in life. We say, First I Gotta. First I Gotta do my thing. First I Gotta take care of my stuff. At first, I gotta, I gotta get my money right before I do the things that the Lord's called me to. So we talked about priority, right? And week two, we, we did a message called Pray First. Everyone say pray first. pray first. And you know, check out this next slide. This is what a lot of us do. A lot of us worry first, we work first instead of pray first, right? And what's happening in that is we are we aren't necessarily prayer is often a last resort instead of a first re- response. And so when we look at this next one here, this is what we're doing. We are worrying and working ourselves. To death, and it's time to start praying things to life. How many needed that word, right? You needed that word in your life because it's real. And here's the deal. We dove into the prayer of Jabez as well, right? This beautiful, powerful prayer that's in the scriptures. And it says this. Oh, that you will bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And the Lord granted his request. I hope you've been praying that prayer to say, Lord, it's okay. It's okay to say, Lord, bless me. Lord, Lord, enlarge my territory. Give me more influence. So we prayed blessing, influence, right? And, and we prayed for his, his presence to be with us and for him to protect us. I hope you've been praying that prayer. And today, or excuse me, last week, part three of this series, we did a, we did a message called We Get to Give. Everyone say, We Get to Give. We heard an amazing uh, testimony from Caleb and Casey and this priority of giving to God. Plus, we dove deep into the scriptures to see where even this whole idea of tithe began with Abraham, right? And him giving the first, first tithe to the priest king, Melchizedek, right? And this, the depth of that and the meaning that, that God had blessed him. And, out, and from that blessing, Abraham responded by giving. And so we don't, we, don't, we don't give so we can get. We get to give. Amen? Now, today's message is titled, Money is Not the Answer. Money is not the answer. I mean, honestly, I know I stepped in it now. Because now we got to go for it. I, I said it. Money is not the answer. Everybody say, everybody just, for the, for the sake of just making me feel like that meant something to you, just say, woo, here we go. That was really bad, guys. Woo, here we go. I know, here's what I know. Here's what I know. I know you got your mind on your money and your money on your mind, so we might as well talk about it. Are you all ready? We're going to get into it. Money is not the answer. It's a great sentiment, but is it true? I mean, how many of you need money right now? Come on, how many need money right now? Be honest. All of us are like, I could use a little bit of money. I know I could use a little money. This church could use some money. Here's the deal. We, we, we all have the dream in life that, man, it would be nice if a truckload of money fell in my lap today. Like, we're like, please, Lord, could you just do something like a, a dead relative that I don't even know somehow left me billions of dollars? The lottery God, it's up to like nine trillion, like whatever it is. I promise I'll tithe on it. 
if I win, God. I'll even up the tithe 15%. You know what I mean? You're like, well, taxes, I mean, we'll see, God. But please, we'll see what happens. The truth is in America, money is first. Money is first in America. We got to say, let it rain, God. Make it rain, right? Our currency may say in God we trust, but our culture says in money we trust. America was not founded, as much as we like to say it was, on democracy and freedom. It was founded upon dreams for riches. The forefathers who came over, the Puritans themselves, they were in search for riches. Y'all know that, right? Lewis Lapham, a guy that probably none of you know, he wrote extensively on money in America and how economics create these social divides. And he said in a recent article that I read, he said, money... Money is the sacred elephant, always in the room, never to be addressed or seen, but whose will is done on earth as it is in heaven. Ouch, Lewis. Back off my toes. But here's the thing, right? He interestingly uses money as the replacement of God's will. That's the battle. What rules your life? Whose will is done in your life? God's will or Money will. Your money's will. And yet money is strangely the subject that no one wants anybody to talk about. We have three party fouls, right? Don't talk about my religion, my politics, or my money. My money is my business. That's the norm. Your money is your business. But how many of you know that God wants to get up in your business? <laughs> Listen, it's not me. I, do, I literally do not want to get up in your business. I don't like it. But Listen. It's simply, I, today I really am just simply a guy, I, I mean this, that is playing the instrument that God has given me so God's song can be heard in your life. God has a song that he wants to play, and God likes to talk about money. He talked about it all the time. In fact, in 16 of the 38 parables that Jesus gave, he talked about money and possessions. In fact, there are over 2,000 references in the Bible to money and possessions. In contrast, there's only 500 references to prayer. So how many know that it must be a big deal? Jesus singled it out as a critical matter in your life. God singled it out in the scriptures as a critical matter in your life. And it's a critical matter because money is the biggest competitor to God being first in your life. There are other competitors. There are other things that are going to come up in your life that push God down the list for you. But money for most of us will be the longest standing competitor that we face throughout the duration of our life. It's the enemy's easiest and most frequent weapon of choice. He uses money to get us all twisted up, right? Stressed out, selfish, greedy, money hungry, angry, stingy, scared, worried, if we're ever going to have enough. And if you're even sitting here, you're going, Tim, I don't ever even think about that. I'm 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 not a person who wants more money. Well, money still, money still can control us. It wants to rule us even if we aren't greedy, like it, it can control us when we don't have enough. We wonder if I'm ever going to have enough, if I'm ever going to get ahead, if I'm ever going to pay it off. Matthew 6, verse 24, key verse of our day. Jesus says this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, Jesus truly drops the hammer here. He's like, listen, It is impossible for you to serve God and money simultaneously. You can't do it. And most of us, we think think we're not doing it, but in many ways we're trying to do it. 
I, th- th- it makes me think of a quote from uh, Jim Carrey, the actor from the classic film Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Author, actor, theologian says this. I wish that everyone could get rich and famous and have everything they ever dreamed of so they could know that that was not the answer. I read that and I can only assume this comes from a place of pain and disappointment. And here's what we all know. We know this to be true. We know philosophically that money is not the answer. But in our everyday life, it sure seems like it is. Money makes the world go round. So Matthew 6, Jesus says something controversial, something that should strike us and be the hammer dropping. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. Another translation uses the original word that Jesus used. He actually said, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Those are the words of Jesus. Everyone say mammon. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is actually the, 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 uh, the Aramaic word. This is the language of Jesus. And it's actually a better term because that word means more than to how we understand money. Mammon translated does mean riches, but it even means more than that. Mammon is the mindset that can come with money. Mammon is, is believing that money can make you happy or, or, or that mammon can solve your problems or that it can be your security or that money can get you what you want, right? Mammon is the spirit of priority that we put on money. So Jesus says you can't serve both of those things. Uh-uh, you can't serve God and mammon. It doesn't work because you're prioritizing one of those as the thing that will be the answer to what you're looking for. So the word mammon has roots tied to Babylon and the worship of riches that that city possessed. You know, Babylon was Athens and Rome before Athens and Rome, and that city was built upon this idea that they can become rich and powerful through the possession of more and more riches and money. And the whole story, if you're going to sum it up, is Babylon was saying, we don't need God. We just need more riches. In money, we trust. The biblical sense of the word mammon is that understanding that there is a spirit that can rest on our money. Follow this. Robert Morris in his book, The Blessed Life, which was very helpful, and he talks about the spirit of mammon. Um, He said it this way, longer quote, but listen, listen to what he says. He says, do you know that all money has a spirit on it? It either has the spirit of God on it or the spirit of mammon. Money that is submitted to God and his purposes has the spirit of God on it, which is why it multiplies and cannot be consumed by the devourer. I'm convinced that money that has been submitted to God, wealth that has been devoted to serving him rather than trying to replace him, is blessed by God in a very real sense. God's spirit blesses it. On the other hand, money that is not submitted to God has the spirit of mammon on it by default. That's why people so often try and use money to control and manipulate others. It's why people think money can bring them happiness or fulfillment. Mammon is basically the spirit of the world, and that spirit is a liar. I mean, that's really good, right? So money can have the spirit of God on it or the spirit of mammon. And the spirit of mammon says, money can solve my problems. Money will make me happy. Money will get you what you want. Money is the answer. The spirit of mammon says, You made it, so spend it on you. Mammon says, don't give that. Instead, invest that in your future. Make sure it's all yours. Mammon says, don't give that money. You've given enough time, and you try and think that your time equals money. But listen, time equaling money, that's a saying that's reserved for the world, not for what the Lord says. Can I just tell you something? Time and money are not the same thing. You can't just tithe time and not money. That's a problem in the church. We check that box because we think, oh, you know, I'm doing enough for God. 
Hmm. People who are under the influence of the spirit of mammon tend to have the most fear about their money. They are afraid they will lose it or they were afraid they will never have enough. And so they live from scarcity, fear, and they try and protect what they have. But when money has the spirit of God on it, when we see everything that we have is from God and for God, then we freely give because we have freely received. It's why it says in Corinthians that God loves a cheerful giver because he knows that when we give from a place of blessing that it will be an honor and we will be able to give uh, with a cheerful heart. So when we think about, think about it, mammon is just the system of the world, isn't it? It's, it's the system of the way the world works. For example, mammon says to buy and sell, God says to sow and reap. Mammon says to cheat and steal, God says to give and receive. But more than anything, mammon wants to rule us. Has anybody ever felt the controlling effects of money in your life? Your mood is affected by your money. Your attitude is affected by your money. Your relationships are affected by your money. Divorce, one of the leading causes of divorce in America is disagreements about money. Money wants to rule us and rule our future and rule our present. Notice when I say this, though, it's the enemy's spirit on the money. Money itself is not inherently evil. Money's just a thing. It can't control us, but the spirit on it can. Money, money can actually be a good thing. Money can be of God. Money can be blessed. 1 Timothy 6.10 talks about this. Helps us understand the truth. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The Bible doesn't say that money is the root of all kinds of evil. It says that the love or the worship of money produces all kinds of evil. And that's the spirit that the enemy is putting on money in today's world. He deceives us to love it and believe that it will solve our problems, that it is what we need, that it is the answer. In the book of Revelation, can I keep going? In the book of Revelation, the Antichrist that will come in the end days attempts to dominate people through the use of economics, preventing people from buying and selling unless they submit to him. I'll read this passage, Revelation 13. It says, it, uh, it, meaning the Antichrist, also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had this mark. It's called the mark of the beast, right? Which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. So in the brief rule of the Antichrist that will come, it will be through the spirit of mammon. So if anyone asks you to put a barcode on your forehead or on your hand, run. Right? No barcodes, QR codes, microchips under the skin. Friends, flee from that. It's kind of funny, but it's true. You cannot serve both God and mammon. The spirit of mammon will tell you it will tell you, see if these things sound familiar. It will tell you that if you had more money, people would listen to you, people would like you. If you had more money, your life would be better. If you had more money, you would be able to do what you want, go where you want, buy what you want, try what you want. And it's not just people in the world that are falling for this lie. It's people in the church, too. It's people in the church, too. Are you all with me today? Are you all following what I'm, what I'm saying? If we want to make God first... We have to put the spirit of God on everything we have. And it starts with our money. In fact, it's not even our money. It's God's money. He's the one that gave it. He's the one that provided it. I think in the church, we 
kind of struggle to talk about money. I don't know if you've been around church much. This is like one of those topics. It's like taboo. And part of the reason is, is I think pastors and leaders don't want their congregants to think that all we're trying to do is get you to give. We don't want guests to think we're trying to get into your pockets. And that comes from a lot of hurt and pain and baggage, right? It comes from slimeball pastors who have committed, really, really kind of, <laughs> they really kind of manipulated people to give to God and then they went and bought a yacht. Or they, they gave themselves a really exorbitant salary. And here's what I want to say about that is there, there are exceptions to the rule. There are slimeball pastors who get into the mix of hundreds of thousands of churches who are doing it right. And there, there are people who had started out good and then they got deceived and they, fought, they failed too because everybody's uh, sus suspect to the spirit of mammon in their life. And so there is an exception to the rule that I think can be criticized. And as a result, you know, church leaders will walk a very delicate line when they talk about money. But I think it's also a very delicate line that people walk because they don't want anybody to get up in their business. But how many know that God wants to get up into your business? Money is the silent elephant in the room. And can I just burst that bubble today? Right? So our church, our church, this church will survive. It will survive and it will thrive by God's provision and blessing regardless of any of your giving. But I want to say, I say that, I say that, and, and I, because I, I think myself, you as a person who comes to this church, we have to believe that God will take care of this church. It will be God that does it. You have to believe that for your life, that God will take care of you, that he is your gyra. He will provide what you need. Is it true that churches are funded by the people who go to it? Absolutely. So together we are thankful for one another's faithfulness and generosity. So yes, People fund the church, but God funds the people. And so, really, the church is funded by God's goodness to his people when he blesses them. And so our job is to just live in God's blessing to build his church and enjoy what he's given us. The church has to talk about money because if we don't, then we'll be discipled by, discipled by the culture that believes in the almighty dollar. You ever notice how it's called the almighty dollar? We think it rules. It's the answer to our problems and the pathway to our dreams. Our money and our livelihood is a matter of discipleship. If we're going to talk about teaching how to pray or reading the Bible, or, or even if we're going to say, hey, you should lead and mentor others, you should go save the lost, whatever it is that we try and disciple through the church ministry, don't you think we should also be teaching you about one of the most important things that Jesus talked about all the time and that God brought up all the time, that he wanted to talk about, hey, what is attaching to your heart? What is this thing that is becoming the idol in you? You cannot serve that thing that will compete for me, my, my place as number one in your life. We have to talk about it. And I'll just say this, giving Giving is not about law from the Bible or, or, or earning favor, or it's not even about keeping the lights on and paying the church bills. That's not why we give. We give because we love God and we trust him in all things and we want to follow and be obedient to his plan. It's about love. It's about trusting him. So when churches are afraid to talk about money, can I just say it? I hate to say it, but I think it's true. They're living under the spirit of mammon. They're afraid of it because they're living under the spirit of mammon. But churches that freely talk about it, they understand that God blesses money. God will bless money and he will use money for his sake and for his kingdom. He will change lives with money. He will save lives with money. He will rescue people and set people free with money, with his spirit on it. You know, our, fi our family sponsored a, a child through Compassion International. I'm sure some of you have done the same thing. And uh, we, we sponsored her from, I think, about age three all the way up to, to 19 years old. And, and I occasionally think about that little girl. Uh, now a young adult that we sponsored, right? I understand that our $38 a month did not go directly into her pocket. 
I understand that. But what I do know is that God took that money and multiplied it and he blessed it. And our prayer is that God used it to rescue a little girl from a life without daily basic needs like food, medical care, and education. I know, I know, it's not very much money at all, but I know that $38 per month for 16 years, God's spirit was on that money and he did more with it than I could ever do with it. That's what I know. Do you pray over your finances? Do you ask God to put his spirit on it? Do you ask God to bless it and to multiply it for his purposes? If you don't, you should. I should. We all should. Proverbs 3.9 talks about honoring the Lord with what we have. Honor God with everything you own, with all of your wealth. Give him your first and your best. Your barns will burst and your wine vats will brim over. You get that? We have to honor God with our wealth. And some of you are like, Tim, I'm not wealthy. <laughs> I didn't say honor God if you're wealthy. Honor God with your wealth, everything you have. The spirit of mammon is an interesting, interesting thing because the spirit of mammon has like these, these friends that come along with it. The spirit of mammon has friends. We'll just go through them. Comes, the spirit of mammon leads to the spirit of pride, the spirit of poverty, and the spirit of comparison. But God has a contrast to that because there's the spirit of God and it leads to the spirit of generosity, the spirit of gratitude, and the spirit of grace. How many know that the spirit of God is greater than the spirit of mammon? It's greater than. The spirit of God is greater than anything that the enemy can throw at you and try to put on us. But we still have to fight against it. We still have to be uh, knowledgeable. We have to figure out and recognize that these spirits, these spirits, they get on us and we have to break them off of us. See, the spirit of pride says that my 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 wealth and my money come from my hard work. I earned it. It's mine. And this, this may be true to some measure. You did work hard, and hard work is a great thing. God honors hard work. God wants us to work hard, and it's a commendable quality. But if it lacks gratitude for the God who made it all possible, it breeds a spirit of pride. The spirit of pride arrogantly lords over our money instead of allowing the Lord to be over our money. The spirit of pride doesn't give God credit for what he's done in our life. Our worship, or we don't worship God for being the great provider that we sang about this morning. Let me ask you, do you believe that everything you have comes from the Lord? And before you say yes, and before you give me the churchy answer, do you ever tell people that? Do you walk around and say, everything I have is from the Lord, everything I have is from the Lord, everything? I mean, maybe not so crazy like I just did, but do you say it? Do you profess it? over and over in your life? You see, the spirit of pride believes that you provided it. You built it. You earned it. You were the smart one that figured it out how to break through and make what you got. The spirit of poverty, that's the spirit of pride. The spirit of poverty, though, is a little different. It says that you should feel guilty about being blessed by God. Isn't that weird? The spirit of poverty says you don't deserve what you have. Poverty says make everyone think that you don't even have as much as you have. Someone compliments you on your, uh, your outfit. Dude, that's a great fit. And you're like, oh, man, no, it's no big deal. It's, it's pretty old. I got it at Target on sale. I had a gift card. <laughs> right? Anybody ever done that? Next time, just say, got it full price. <laughs> we have to always say, like, uh, yeah, I got it. It was a foreclosure, that house. Yep, yep, mm-hmm. I don't deserve that one. I know I've had this, this spirit on my life. Many times, feeling like I don't deserve what I have. Listen to this quote. It says, if you have been blessed by God because you've done things his way, notice it says his way, 
you don't have to feel guilty. Don't be ashamed of having a heart that God can bless. I hope that sets someone free right now. And then lastly, the spirit of comparison. The spirit uses both pride and poverty, by the way. Don't fall for the comparison trap. Comparison tells us we don't belong based on our money. So we think, oh, man, they're better than me. They got more than me. That's a poverty mindset, right? Comparing ourselves out of value and belonging. The spirit of comparison also has the spirit of pride in it sometimes. Where, we, where I've heard people say this, I need to be around people that are like me. I need, I need to get around people that are like me. The, meaning, I need to be around people that have money like me. It, it, we often talk about how, you know, the hour on Sunday is the most segregated hour in our nation through our racial divides, but it's also economic divides. That's why we have rich churches and poor churches and churches in the middle. We like to get around people that are like us. Comparison says, get angry when God blesses someone else instead of grateful for God's blessing for them. Comparison causes us to resent coworkers when they get promoted, family members when they have breakthrough, and church friends when they have more than you. What are we comparing? Well, nine times out of ten, we are comparing our lot in life, our money, our status, our station in life, what we have versus what they have. Pride says, I earned it. Poverty says, I shouldn't have it. Comparison says, I don't belong or with, with these people or I resent these people. But gratitude says something else. It says, everything that I have is from God, so we thank God. Generosity says, I will honor God with all of my wealth and I will be generous to God and to people. Grace says, I'm not better or worse than anyone. All of us are equally in need of God in our life. See, we need to break the spirit of mammy. See, this isn't even a giving talk, is it? This is a lordship talk. This is about your life. And so often we want to talk about everything except the elephant in the room. Money is controlling and ruling us. God wants to free you of that. We need to break the spirit of mammon. We need to break the spirit of pride and poverty and the spirit of comparison the belief that money is the answer. How many know that money is not the answer, but God is? How many agree with that? Money is not the answer, but God is, right? God is the only answer to our problems and our money problems. God is the only answer to your worries and your dreams and your wants and your needs. Jesus said it. You cannot serve both God and money or mammon. We need to break the spirit of mammon and put God's spirit on all that we have so we will become more generous more grateful, and more graceful. I just want to say, listen, I have, had, I have had personally the spirit of mammon on my money all throughout my life, just kind of on and off, right? I've struggled with all of them. The spirit of pride, the spirit of poverty, the spirit of comparison. All of them have wreaked havoc in my life. But I will also say, but I've also had many seasons in which I've been very generous I've been grateful, and I've had grace moving in my life. Anybody else want to join me in the fact that with my money, sometimes my life is a mixed bag? Y'all know what I'm talking about? I am, I am generous one moment and stingy the next. I am, I am great, great, grateful one moment and jealous the next. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Mixed bag. Mixed money bag. Hmm. Three questions. Three questions I want to try and, and, and actually help us with all this today. All right? Three questions. They're, they're, they're in your thing. You, do, you don't have to look at that little handout we gave you. That's for you to take home today. I'll have them on the screen. Three questions to try and actually help us with all, all this. I'll walk through these three. Number one, 
do you have a spirit of pride on your money or a spirit of generosity? This week, I want to encourage you. This week, write down and reflect on all the ways that you've taken pride concerning your money and possessions. Break that spirit and switch to a spirit of generosity that prioritizes being a generous, to, generous to God and to people. You're like, that sounds really uh, not that easy. We have to speak to it. We have to ask God to break it. And then we have to step into something new. Number two, do you have the spirit of poverty with your money or the spirit of gratitude? This week, write down and reflect all the ways you feel like you need to hide God's blessing because you feel guilt or shame. Break that spirit and switch to a spirit of gratitude, thanking him for his blessings and accepting that God blesses those who honor him. Number three, do you have the spirit of comparison with your money or spirit of grace? This week, write down all the ways that you compare yourself with others, financially or other. Break that spirit and prayerfully extend grace to those you've compared, compared yourself with by praising God for the ways that God has blessed them, especially if you've been jealous of them. Or by considering how you can be more gracious and giving towards them if you've pridefully felt better than them. That takes some work, I'm just saying. So that handout that you have, use it this week. And it doesn't just have those three questions in it. You'll see another tool there that's called, uh, it's called honoring God with all that I have. And it's really just a summary of what we believe the Bible and the text teaches about honoring God with our wealth. And it's a tool that you can use. So you have four to five days of what we would call devotionals that you could do on your own. You can kind of apply that to what you're already doing or just spend the next week or so diving into this stuff, reflecting on your life and saying, God, I want to break the spirit of mammon in my life. I want to make you first. So let's close. Let's close with this. Money is not the answer. God is. And we need to break the spirit that the enemy puts on our money. And we need to ask God's spirit to rest on everything that we have. Listen to this. We need to move from a money problems to money promises. We need to move from money problems to money promises. Anyone, anybody else want that? God made some promises, but those promises are realized in his principles. I thought I'd get a woo. God made some promises, but his promises are realized in his principles. <laughs> God's promises are realized in his principles. God wants to bless you. He can't bless you like he wants to unless you, unless, unless if you, excuse me, he can't bless you like he wants to if you don't steward like he's called you. God wants to bless you. His promises are realized in his principles and his promises and his processes. In other words, do it God's way. We outline a lot of that in that handout. So here's what I want to close this message. I want to close with some prayer. I want to close with you saying, Lord, okay, I get it. I need to, I need to step into this. I've allowed the spirit of the world to be on my money and I need to give it to you. I need the spirit of God to bless this, to multiply it, to use it for his kingdom's sake. So I want to pray. And I want to say, you're invited to come and pray in a moment. Invite him to be the Lord of your money and of your wealth. Ask him to break the spirit of mammon or, 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 or over your house, or over your family, over your life. Let me just pray. We you bow your heads? Come Holy Spirit, we need you right now. We need your help. Your word is true. Your word is powerful. But we need your help. We ask you to come and bring your truth and your love right now. Here's what I just want to say. I mean, this is just a quick response. But if today you would say the spirit of mammon or one of his friends, pride, poverty, comparison, 
if that's been a battle for you, if it's been a battle in your life and you, and you really want to experience God's spirit of generosity and gratitude and grace at higher levels in your life, if, if you're just like, that's a true battle, would you just lift your hand? No one's looking around. Lift your hand. Come on. I know that, I know that this is a battle for so many of us. Most of us, you know, we have more to do than we're probably even willing to admit. But right now, I just pray that, God, you would release something in this room, that you would break something for those of us. This isn't just about money problems. This is about lordship, Father. We pray in the name of Jesus for anybody that lifted their hand, for those who didn't that should have. Lord, I pray right now that, Lord, you would grab a hold of our hearts and that you would say that you love us, that you want more for us, that you want to bless us, that we just got to trust you with, with, uh, with not only the promises that you have for us, but the principles that you've given us. So right now, Lord, we just pray your Holy Spirit to come. We invite you to specifically, Lord, to just uh, into the spiritual battle that takes place through our finance, Father. I know it causes so much stress. So many people are worried. So many people are, um, it is constantly hanging over their heads. So, Father, I pray right now, I pray that now that you would break any spirits that should not be on our money. And that, Father, we would, you would release your spirit of uh, faithfulness and blessing over it, Father. But Lord, we know that comes with that comes with faithfulness by us. And so, Lord, I pray you would fill us up with the faith to trust you in the hard things, to trust you in the things that you put in front of us, that we would walk in obedience to who you've called us to be and what you've called us to do. And so, Father, I pray for any, every, any person in this room that, Lord, there would not be some spirit right now that's coming against them to say, this isn't for you, this is for someone else, that there would not be some, the enemy wouldn't tell them, just leave, it's almost over, that the enemy wouldn't, that, that, that the enemy would not get in the way of what you want to do today. We pray in the name of Jesus for your power to come forth, that, Lord, we would be free, we would be free today to trust trust you, that we would have joy in our heart for the way that you want us to be generous with our lives. In fact, right now, I just want you to just receive, just receive God's presence. Maybe a posture prayer. Open your hands in front of you if you want to receive today. Just open your hands and say, Lord, I just receive your love today. I receive what you have. I receive this word and ask for your power to break off what needs to be broken off in me, Father. Release something new and fresh. In a moment, we're going to stand and sing, and as we sing, this altar's open. You can come, submit it all to God, and give it to Him. You can pray with the prayer team leader. Tell Him what you need. Lift it up in prayer. Invite the Holy Spirit to come in and move in power. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We thank you for your word that's so helpful and it's truth. God, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Would you stand with us as we have a time of response through song and through prayer? This altar's open. We invite you to come. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.